So I'm your host, Ahad Hassan, and I'm joined with Professor David Christian. Hello, everybody. And we're going to talk with him for around an hour and get his insight on his time at Cal State Fullerton, and since he's a teacher here, why he decided to teach here. So first off, what classes do you teach here? Um, I teach in the Women and Gender Studies Department. I teach uh, Women and Gender Studies 100, Introduction to Gender Studies and Humanities. I teach 302, Introduction to Women's Studies. I teach 340, a Masculinities class. I teach 360, The Politics of Sexuality. And I've taught a senior seminar on gender and trauma. You're mainly focused on gender and women women and gender studies. Yeah, I t I've taught for the Liberal Studies Department in the past, and I've taught for the University Honors Program also. So you graduated back in like the late 90s? Yeah, I was 90. It's odd, I don't remember. I, I think technically my diploma is January of 98. It's like my, my last semester was fall of 97. So what did you graduate with? What did you major in? I got a double major in philosophy and literature, and I picked up a lot of units in psychology and religious studies. And then I did come back and do a graduate degree here. What did you do the graduate degree on? It was in the English department. So was there a women and gender studies like class or course? Because that was around 20 years ago. Um, when I was here as an undergraduate, my first semester was 93. I think, thinking back on it, the philosophy department had like an introduction to women's studies at the time. And there were probably one or two departments that had women's studies classes. It didn't really become a uh, like a program until the early 2000s. And you got your master's right after, or did you spend like take a gap before getting your master's? I took a, a fairly. I took a, a fairly. Um, I took a small gap, which was about two years. But I did. I took me five years to do my master's degree. I was teaching full time, so I was kind of a part time student, doing like one class at a time. So to some degree, it felt like a, a larger gap because it was seven years from when I finished my undergraduate until I got my master's degree. So you were teaching here while also taking classes? No, well, I, um, I finished my master's degree. I got a California teach, uh, credential, and then I started teaching at a prep school. And I taught there for seven years, and it was probably about year three there that I started my master's. And then when I left the prep school, I came back and finished my last year here. So you weren't teaching between getting your bachelor's and your master's? Right? I was teaching at the prep school, but not oh, here at Cal State Fullerton. So you just go back and forth yeah. between class here and yeah. teaching over there, I see. So what made you go for women and gender studies in particular since you didn't really take a class or like major in it? Um, it's a rather odd story. When I came back to Cal State Fullerton to finish my master's degree, I was working at Aloha Java, the coffee shop down there. And I started to become friends with some of the people who are in women's gender studies, and I did a couple guest lectures and classes. They knew I had taught. They kind of knew my background in philosophy and psychology and literature, and it kind of just unfolded from there. And then my last year as a grad student here, my last semester, they made me a, a GA, and I taught a class. It was kind of like a kind of just getting some experience, and it just kind of turned over into a job. I'm incredibly blessed and incredibly fortunate. Um, to have my job and how it kind of unfolded for me. Yeah, it seems like it would be a good, it is a good fit for you, you know, like anywhere from like philosophy, psychology, or women and gender studies. Yeah, that, that, like women and gender studies is this very kind of interdisciplinary, multidisciplinary subject. So um, it's a little philosophy, it's a little psychology. Yeah, it's a it's, bit of everything, yeah, all mixed in. Um, so there's a little literature in there. So it's, to me, it's a great place as I kind of get to, use all these different intellectual interests, but it all kind of gets focused on gender. And so it's really interdisciplinary, but there is this kind of home theme or topic of gender. 
Also with teaching, how did you get into that? Was that always like a passion of yours when you got your bachelor's or did you plan on doing something else? Um, no, it's, this is one of those honest to God stories. I was a senior in high school and I wasn't a great high school student. I had a really good uh, business. He taught general business and he taught a business law class. And I was a senior, his name was Mr. Boats. And one day he was just kind of asking a couple of us seniors, like, what do you do after you graduate? And I was like, I'm going to go to, you know, Cypress Community College probably. He's like, well, what do you want to do? And I was like, you know, after taking your business class, I was thinking I either want to be a lawyer or a teacher. And Mr. Boats kind of did this like pause for a moment, kind of looked at me, kind of thought for a second. And he goes, Dave, you might be a really good lawyer, but you'd be a great teacher. And I was like, I guess I'm going to be a teacher. And so originally the plan was to be a high school teacher. I was figured I'd teach maybe some history or literature and then coach basketball. Uh, but it was my senior year of high school. It was that one moment. And I don't know what he saw in me, but once he said, I was like, okay, I'm going to be a teacher. And it, I kind of never looked back. Teachers do have that effect on students. Like they can just tell what a student is going to be or what would be great in. Yeah, I think teachers see it in students, but I also think like, as a teacher, he kind of knew. I think also, I think his, his daughter was a lawyer. And so I think it was kind of like, yeah, you'd be okay at that law thing. I know lawyers, but you're a teacher. And he was right. It's, it's, it's what I was meant to do. Yeah, law is more like straightforward, not as open-ended. While teaching, it's more laid back. You can communicate a lot more and a lot more passionate feeling in it, yeah. which is what you do as a teacher. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I think um, there's probably a personality type for teachers. Um, I think you maybe just saw that. So what what made you teach here specifically instead of like another or high school or another? College? I think a part of it was um, just opportunity. When I when I left Fairmont Prep Academy, I, I know I wanted a little time away from teaching, but my idea was I'd always go back to a high school, uh, and this opportunity kind of just fell in front of me, and and so I was very blessed that way, but. Fullerton has always kind of been a home to me. Um, my first semester here was, as a student, was fall of 1993, and it just kind of felt like home. And so when somebody offered me a job teaching here, it just felt like, well, yeah, this would be a great place to teach. Yeah. And so Fullerton just always kind of had that that feeling for me. Um, and I, I think it's one of the reasons I love teaching here so much is I was an undergraduate here. I was a grad student here. This Fullerton has given me so much. I feel like it's, this is where I belong. So I think even if, if another college job was out there, I, I, I would rather be here. About a uh, high school or a middle school? You know, I mean, the, one of the great things about my job is there's an academic freedom on a college campus. There is a, more of a kind of a life of the mind on a college campus. I do miss teaching high school from time to time, but there's just something about college teaching that's just, for me, it is the greatest job in the world. I, I've at times thought, you know, I spent my first year, seven years teaching at a prep school, teaching high school students, maybe at the end of my career, maybe go back to teaching high school for a year or two, but college is where it's at for me. When you're a college teacher, you can plant some seeds and you'll see growth over the course of a, of a 16 week semester. But when you're a high school teacher, I remember getting kids like the first day freshman year English class and having to just do like a little in-class writing and then seeing where their writing was at the end of their freshman year. And just to see that growth and that progress, you don't really see that as a college instructor. And then especially 
being at a, at a small high school like I was, where I would have kids their freshman year, I haven't given their senior year. Yeah, that's year. what I was about to say, that you teach like multiple classes back to back. So you have students for two, maybe even three years. Yeah, and I had um, a handful of kids that I had all four years of high school. I had them for like English one, college writing. I had them for English two, literature. I had them for AP psychology their junior year. And then I had them for philosophy and religion their senior year. And watching those kids graduate, it's to, to have a four-year relationship with a student, to see them as freshmen who really don't even know how to think and write, and then to watch them graduate and to see their analysis, their thinking, their how they've matured and grown as a person, and to like watch them like walk off like a, a high school stage graduating. You know, that kid's going off to Stanford or Princeton or Harvard or UCLA or Cal State Long Beach, and to see that growth over four years. You don't really experience that as a college professor. It's not even that you see it, you are a part of yeah. it. You shape them the way they are. Even if it's like small, minute things like your own professor, you're talking about uh, Mr. Boats, right? He shaped you, even though it was a small thing, just a oh, suggestion. Oh, and that you know, thumbprint. Um, there are days where I'm teaching and I will say something, and it's something I got from Mr. Boats. There will be days where I will say something, and it's like, that was Professor Cooney. There are days that I will say something, that's Dr. Coon. Like, I... My professor's fingerprints are all over me as a person, but also as a professor. Um, when students are like, hey, Professor Christian, you're a pretty good teacher. How did you, where did you get it from? And I was, I was watching really great professors and really great teachers. Um, and so that, especially as a teacher, the impact that educators had on my life, I see it every day in my life. And it's not even just like the thumbprints that they put onto you, but it's the thumbprints that are passed down. Yeah. Is that one thing that they said to you, it probably came from someone else also yeah. and just kept passing down. Yeah, and, and I, I know that th I've probably had students that are going to go into teaching and one day they're going to say something like, ah, I'm kind of imitating Professor Christian there. And so and it's but it, that's that it's the passing on. Um, and that's one of the things I love about my job is that passing on. I, I don't I, I'm sure people have that experience at work, but. I don't know if like my dad working at McDonnell Douglas designing planes had that experience. Oh, where there's it's this... not as much. Yeah. Also because like over there, everyone's a coworker or the biggest difference would be a boss and an employee. But here it's a professor versus a student. There's yeah. like 50 year differences between the student and the professor. And there's just a whole lot of knowledge that is different between the, and it's a sense of like parenthood sometimes like we could see how our parents are as influential as on us as our teachers are especially since we see our teachers probably more than our parents yeah at times i think um you know as students especially get to college and you you're no longer living with your parents or you've moved away to go to college and um educators can have a really important impact on people's lives i think that's the other reason i love my job is is there is um there is a, a wonderful feeling of, of watching students grow and mature and to kind of know that you're playing, although it's, it's a minor role in their lives, but you are kind of playing a role in helping them um, come of age intellectually, come of age as an individual, but also you know that you're helping them build their dreams, whether it's they want to become an engineer or they want to go into the business or they want to go into the health field, that, that you're, you're helping somebody build their dream. There's something magical. Yeah, about that them. you don't really see if you, you work with someone or a coworker with yeah. them or even just like talk to them on the street. It's not the same yeah. as like a teacher and a student. And we were talking previously about how you have a lot more connection with high school students. It's not even just like the year that you have with them. Even if you had a year with a college student, you're dealing with 
maybe a class of like our classes of 40 or other classes go into like the 100, 200, while high school classes are 20 to 30. So it's around there. I was I was at a small prep school in Fairmont, and I had classes of eight to twelve students. I mean, I think it, some of my AP Psych classes there they might have gotten to the the low twenties, but yeah, when, when you have um, when I had a group of seniors like in a, a, a IB philosophy class, and there was like eleven of them in there, the the conversations and the connections and having them every day, yeah, there's just the. Uh, 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 intimacy and a connection that forms there. That's so. I was also an IB student, and as the years went up, on our like last year when you're in the IB math or IB physics class, there's 20 of us in there, you know. And even though like my freshman year class would be like 35 aroundish, but then you end with 20 in a big classroom, and there's a lot more like communication, a lot more lighthearted. It's a, it's a lot better. It feels more like it feels more flexible in the sense of it's like sort of like college at that point. But that's like the trade-off that you were talking about yeah. for teaching at a college versus a high school. Yeah. I, so my, I, I think probably to some degree, I learned to be a good teacher at the high school, teaching some of those IB classes with smaller groups of students where um, they're going to ask you questions in a way. They're going to, they're going to, they're going to, they're, you're going to engage with them in a way that's that it really challenged me as a teacher and kind of taught me how to become a good teacher. Yeah. When I had the Cal, when I transferred from Cypress Community College to Cal State Fullerton, I, I think I kind of finally, finally found my way as a student. Like I was like, I'm going to major in philosophy and literature. I was kind of finding my way into what it meant to be a college student. I was 23 by then. I think what Cal State Fullerton gave me was, and what I got out of Cal State Fullerton, it was when I kind of intellectually came of age. It was when I really started reading and I started thinking and I started taking school seriously. So I think. What I the, the the big thing I got out of Cal State Fullerton was probably the practical thing of that's when I really started to intellectually kind of get it. I see. And you said you transferred to Cal State Fullerton at twenty three. Yeah, um, I started at Cypress College at nineteen. I was there for four and a half years. When I said I wasn't a good student, I mean <laughs> I was not a good student. Um, I had some learning disabilities and some other issues, and I wasn't a good student. Um, and I. It, it took me four years at Cypress College to kind of get to a place where I was ready to be a college student. And then my first semester here, it was like a transitional period. But by spring of 94, I'd been here for one semester, I was fine. Like, okay, now I'm ready to be a college so student. So, like, just clicked for you one day? It clicked for me. I think part of it was um, a little getting older. I think part of it was finding the ability to actually start doing the work. I think part of it was... Um, kind of getting to a place where my learning disabilities, I had a little better feel for them and how to navigate them. And uh, I think I was just ready. I, I, I know this is probably bad to say on, on, on Titan Radio or a Titan podcast, but the Fullerton and Four thing, I think there are students who can come to Cal State Fullerton and get done in four years. I think there are other students who come here and they might need five or six years. I know I was not ready at 18, 19, 20 to be a great college student. And you came in when most people would be graduating. Yeah, I, 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 I transferred to Cal State Fullerton at 23 when technically I should have been graduating. And then it still took me another four years here almost. Um, and so, but that's what Cal State Fullerton gave me. It gave me the intellect, the space to kind of intellectually come of age. Yeah, I feel like there's a bit of an issue nowadays. Um, even on our Titan portal now, whenever you log in, it's a pop-up that says, Take 15 units a semester so you can graduate in four years. They're really pushing it. 
And I feel like it works for some students, like the whole structure thing we were talking about before. Some students, it works. But for some students, like getting reinforced with these ideas, maybe they do need a little gap, like you said, or a little longer time since you spent eight years before you, eight years studying before you got your bachelor's. Yeah. So it take, it's different for each student. It's different. And look, I, I understand for students saving money. Each semester, you're writing a check. Um, I understand that for a lot of students, there is a desire and drive to get out into their professional life at 23. You want to start working and making money. Um, I understand that from like the university standpoint and from the taxpayer standpoint, you, you it costs money every year to have a student here. But the reality is, is some of them just aren't ready. They're not ready at 18, 19, 20. And if if we are kind of forcing them to take 15 units a semester and they're overwhelmed, they're probably not doing their best in all their classes. They're probably starting to lose some confidence. I think the thing that was so great for me was um, by taking sometimes at Cypress College just six units or nine units, I was able to get B's. And I was like, okay, I'm not a C student. I'm a B student. I, I can do this. And, and that confidence slowly built. When I... After my first full year at Cal State Fullerton, I took a year off. When I came back, I only took six units. I got A's in both of those classes. And what I started realizing is I can be an A student. I just can't be an A student working 40 hours a week and doing 15 units. And so I understand every argument for Fullerton and Ford, take 15 units. But not everybody's there. If college is a manufacturing plant making cars and to save money only, we were saying we need to get these cars done quickly off the production line. Just not 100% ready. Yeah. yeah, it's not ready. It, it's not its best car. It's not its full potential. Yeah. It could have been worked on a bit more, a bit longer. It would have cost more. It would have taken more time. But at the end, you get a better product. Yeah. And a more consistent product. It, yeah. Out better. And, and that's the thing is I think some students, they... It, it, it's, you know, if you've ever done baking, you know, you, you take something out, you put the little toothpick in your eyes, it needs a little more yeah. time in the oven. Sometimes things just need a little more time in the oven. Um, I, I kind of felt like I was a student, you know, it's like I needed a little more time in the oven. I just, I was, I was, I was a little slower at learning. Um, it took me a little longer to read things. And I, I am, to kind of bring this conversation back, I am so, one of the reasons I love teaching here is I'm so thankful for Cal State Fullerton for everything they gave to me. They gave me a cup, they gave me four years to do two years of college. And that's a gift that allowed me to go on to be successful in life. I feel like I owe something back to Cal State Fullerton. So when you say like, why, why, why do you want to teach here? It's because I feel like I owe something to this university because they gave me a couple extra years in the oven to bake properly. I never felt like my professors were like, come on, get out of here. You got to speed this up. Let's go. If it was like that, I feel like they might be moving a little more towards that. I don't know from like, I don't have like research on how much they were pushing students to graduate in four years. But from what I see, like with the posters and with the portal reminders that take 15 units or graduate in four years, I don't know how that is affecting students. And there's no way to tell as of now, but Definitely, if students are struggling or just need more time, everyone is different. You can't just tell people to graduate in four years if that's what you want them to do. I think there's a virtue to kind of saying students, hey, you can do this. Um, it, 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 there, there is a good side to that. Um, and I think part of it is also, you know, high school is your freshman, sophomore, junior, senior year, and we do it in four. And I think there's this idea that you kind of want college students to think 
freshman, sophomore, junior, senior year. And, and to kind of to think that way, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with motivating students. Yeah, pushing um, them is good. It's good. Um, it's just it, – it, and I think sometimes that motivation is like you can do it, um, but not everybody can. Um, and I think the, the other thing is not everybody can do it if they're also working a 40-hour-a-week job. Yeah, definitely. It's not possible. Yeah. That's not possible. Um, and so I think it's there's a virtue to motivating students to let them know this is costing you money. This The quicker you want to get out into your career, when we, we have programs here to support you. If you want to do five classes a semester, we can help you with enrollment. We can help you. It's good. But some students, that's not where they're at. Definitely they should like promote it. That's saying it will help you in the long run. Just to like encourage people, it's always good to like, Students with like grades, you want to tell your students they can get A's and all that. But sometimes you'll be realistic and tell them you don't need to burn yourself out. You don't need to strive too quickly. If you get a B, it's okay. It's not the end of the world. If you take five years, it's not the end of the world. We'll work on it. So I feel like that would be a good thing to also let out maybe in a smaller note, but just to let the students who need more time just to reassure them that it's okay. Yeah. I think there are there are other ways to do Fullerton in four if you said, Hey, remember summer classes take one a summer that can that can you know shorten your time here we do offer intercession classes um and, and this is my own bias i just know at 21 22 23 i wasn't ready to be taking 15 units of college classes each semester i just couldn't yeah especially while working too yeah. just it's not possible with that so it seems like you did have a good college experience it, it seems like you took control and like took it head on i had an amazing college experience um the classes I took, the professors I had, the friends I made, the people I, I met along the way. Um, I am so blessed and so fortunate. Um, it's I, I have people who sometimes say, you're discounting your own work, Dave, but I was so lucky. I was so lucky and fortunate. And a lot of that luck and fortune was being at Cal State Fullerton. So is there anything that you would change or would do a little differently if you could go back and just tweak something? I'm probably gonna like just undermine everything we said. <laughs> I, part of it is like I would say I would probably have, I wish I would have worked a little harder. I, I can kind of look back and be like, I probably could have given a little more there. And I don't mean a little more like an extra 20 hours a week. I mean like I can sometimes look back like that little overnight assignment that I did for like I probably could have given an extra 20 minutes there. Um, there were times where I was like, I probably could have given an, another 30 minutes working on, on a reading assignment. Um, I could have got like, so I think not like I needed to work harder, big picture. I wish I would have, um, worked harder on the little things. I, I guess the best way to put it is I wish I would have um, spent a little more science time sandpapering. Yeah. Um, you're content with the final product. Yeah. You just could have refined it a little bit more. Yeah. It's, I think that, yeah, refining it, sanding it down. Um, and I think the other thing I, I, I wish I would have done more in college is there were so many amazing dynamic people around me. I, I wish I would have gotten to know people a little better. Um, I, it's, students are sometimes shocked when I say this. I'm actually a really shy person. And I, I wish I would have taken a little more courage to meet more people. Um, there were so many amazing dynamic people in my classes that I was either afraid to go talk to, uh, just... I wasn't in the right headspace or something. I, so I, I wish I would have gotten to know people more. I think that's something like when I walk into classes and I see students on their cell phones 
it's I understand that there's a great value in like texting your friends or maybe you're texting your family or you're staying in con. But sometimes I'm just like, do you people have any idea how many amazing, dynamic, awesome people are sitting right next to you and you aren't talking to them? Um, and the other thing is like th there's there's a wealth of knowledge um, of, of just people who have taken other classes. Yeah. Hey, take this class. It's really cool. This instructor's really great. So I wish I would have taken more opportunities to get to know the people around me. Um, because I, I look back and I know how many amazing dynamic people there were. Um, so I, I wish I would have dedicated a little extra 15, 20 minutes a, a night to the little things. And I wish I probably would have gotten to know the people around me better. But it's nothing like major because you're, you're in a good position right now. You're satisfied with where you are. You're happy with that. So it's not like you would have changed your major or you would have looked into something else. Nothing big like that. I think if I had to think about a big one like that, um, and this was probably because I struggled academically, I, I got a degree in philosophy and literature. And what that did was that kind of narrowed a 20-lane freeway down to a three-lane freeway. You know, it's like you're kind of going to be either teaching or doing kind of something. Pardon me, kind of, if I can maybe go back again and do it, I'd be like, uh, maybe I would have been a math major and a philosophy major. Or maybe like a broader. Yeah, uh, maybe I would have been like a business major. Or maybe I would have majored in philosophy and literature, but got a minor in business instead of kind of taking these other kind of humanities classes. I, I wish I would have taken a... A physics class, an astronomy class. I, I think part of it was I was like, I'm not really good at math in those subjects, but I find space fascinating. And I wish I would, those are, so those are probably the two little things. I wish I would have worked a little harder, broadened my horizons socially, and maybe broadened my horizons intellectually. I see. And just to wrap it up, do you have any like quick advice that you would tell students right now? I, I think I have two things, and they're, they're probably closely related, so I'll wrap this up really quickly. I think the one thing I, I would say to students is make peace with not knowing. Maybe a bad way of putting it would make peace with, with your own ignorance. Um, it, when you're taking classes in college, you are almost constantly in a state of not knowing, in a state of, of ignorance, and it's, it's okay. We have the, the word being ignorant or, or stupid or naive, they have such negative connotations that I think students are sometimes not at peace with not knowing. It's okay not to know. And if you're not at peace with not knowing, you're probably not going to ask questions because you're going to feel, oh, well, I, if I ask this question, people are going to think I don't know or I'm not smart. Um, and the other thing with, with, with kind of not being a, a little peace with not knowing is I sometimes think students walk in and they're already like, well, I know this, so what's the professor going to teach me? Or I kind of have a feel for this, or my parents taught me this, or my high school, and they're, they're, they're kind of got like these walls up. And so I would say kind of surrender that you don't know, it's okay not to know, um, that allows you to ask questions, that allows you to kind of see the world in a different way, it allows you to open your spectrum. So kind of make peace with not knowing, it's okay. You're, every class you walk into, part of the reason you're taking the class is because you don't know that yet. The second piece of advice I would give students is you have to be an engaged learner. I think one of the things that happens, I think sometimes students, what they think is like, I'm in the audience and the professor's the movie or the TV show, and I'm just watching it. And they think, well, if I'm not, if I'm falling asleep, it's because the professor's bored or this is a boring show or this is a boring subject. And I think 
to some degree, I know why students maybe think that way, because if you're sitting in a classroom, you're all sitting in chairs watching this person in front of you, you do think that this is like a TV show, but it's not. Um, being a student is not being somebody watching a sporting event. Being a student is you're supposed to be participating in the game. So my advice would be um, make peace with not knowing and get in the game. You are not somebody watching the game. You're a participant in the game. And that's probably the biggest thing I see in students is they think they are part of the audience. They aren't. They are part of the show. That is really good advice with that. Since a lot of people, they think it's a boring TV show. I'm not like I'm just bad at watching, but it's an interactive one. You communicate back and forth with the professor. Um, yeah, and it, it, it's like it, yeah, some some. I'll be the first one to admit there, there there are probably things that I have to go over in class that they can be a little boring. It can be a little rudimentary. They can be a. But if you're engaging in it, if you're asking questions of yourself, if you are kind of in a dialogue within your own space about what's going on, that's going to make it a little more exciting. Um, and I, when I'm watching a, a football game, I'm sitting there thinking. Okay, what, what, what's the team going to do? Are they going to throw on this? Are they going to pass? Are they going to run? What, 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 are they going to hand off? What's my defense going to do? If I was the coach in this situation, what would I be doing? My team, my team's down by 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 ten, and, there, and there's four minutes to go. Could we get two touch? You know, I I am watching it in an active way, um, and so I'm not just sitting there going, uh, you know, and and so like you say, if you're in a dugout, you're watching. At least be thinking, hey, we get a guy out first. We can do this or. That's being engaged. You be in the game. Oh, well, thank you for having me on your podcast. I know this is episode two. Yeah. Good luck with this moving forward. And maybe bring me back for episode 102 or something, you know? <laughs> That'd be really nice to like, catch up on it. And then you could also see how I grew. With yes, the we, we can see how the podcast has grown. Yeah. Bye, everybody. All right. Thank you very much. And tune in next week.